Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. It's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? Uh, well, I, as as we were just saying before we started the show, what do we start with? Spin the wheel. But I think what we'll do is we'll start with the Trump Town Hall because I think there's multiple elements. That's with anything. You know, we, we, we're going to multitask because we have a lot to cover today. But even when you multitask in a general sense, any with any particular issue, there's a multitask. And so the multitask I obviously want to start with today and that you suggested that we start with is the town hall. So uh, what was your immediate reaction to all elements of the town hall? This is so loaded, John, right? Because we knew it was coming, right? It wasn't like a surprise drop or anything. We knew it was coming. We all criticized it then because... He is uncontrollable, right? Like CNN can't live fact check him. They can't control him. The moderator can't do it, especially someone like Caitlin Collins. So we were critical of it before it happened. And then it would happen. And it was probably even worse than we could have really thought. I mean, he was unhinged as usual. He He took shots at the moderator, right? There was a live Trump crowd, which was, uh, I get having a crowd. I don't get sourcing every single Trump person in the local area to come. They were live reacting to things he was saying. And it just, it looked, John, to me, it looked like a promotion for him more than it did an actual town hall, right? And CNN, I think, has to know this. And we'll get into the criticism of CNN. But my first reaction was, are is this just a money grab for them? Or did they actually think it would go anywhere else? That, that would be my question that I would ask them. You know, I'm of multiple minds on this one. First and foremost, uh, I'm in, I stand with almost everybody who says it shouldn't have happened. Um, I think that uh, my anger, and it's going to sound funny, and I'm, I may be jumping ahead because I don't want to go to where I'm going and forget to get to, get to uh, go back, but you will not believe who I'm angriest at. My The person I'm angriest at is not the person most people are angriest at. Maybe Sonny Hostin is as angry as I am at this person, but it's Anderson Cooper. Why? Anderson didn't make the decision. Anderson Anderson and Jake probably have, are two, although I can't stand Jake Tapper, uh, are two of the CNN journalists with the most credibility. And Jake Tapper, in the immediate aftermath, was highly critical. Maybe not so much of CNN, but he walked a thin line. He definitely was critical of the spectacle. He wasn't necessarily critical of CNN. Where the day after, after all that other stuff, Anderson Cooper uh, really uh, gaslighted America and gaslighted us, you know, gaslighted us. And so while I think Chris Licht is the ultimate culprit here, uh, I feel like Jake Tapper offended me more because he has more credibility. He has more of a relationship with the viewers and he used his reputation and his credibility to defend the indefensible and make it seem like, no, Trump's not the problem. His supporters are not the problem. It's you people who are not open-minded enough to listen to Trump who are the problem. And so I, I put it this way. You know, like it's easy to be angry at people you hate. I think the bigger thing, and this is probably where Sony hosted, and if those of you didn't see her takedown of uh, Anderson Cooper on The View on Friday, you should. It's very viral. But I I, I, I think with, with Anderson Cooper, 
in addition to being angry with him, I'm very disappointed in him. Now, you know, he's he's the one of the marquee journalists at CNN. He's the one because you saw that Oliver Darcy, I think, who's the uh, writer, he got called in. Oliver Darcy needs Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper doesn't need him. And Chris Licht needs Anderson Cooper. He can check. He can check Oliver Darcy. He can check other folks. He can't check Anderson Cooper, or at least I don't believe he can. So I, I was just really upset and offended uh, in the, the couple of days later when Anderson Cooper used his reputation, his standing with the audience, his standing with the public to defend that crap. I mean, I agree with everything you said about Anderson. I'm not the most pissed off with him because I also think that um, they, I, I think he feels some sort of way to come on and defend CNN after everybody was ripping them, justifiably so. I think Chris Lee also kind of um, gaslit us, right? He came on after and said, hey, well, you know, you might have not liked the answers, but we got the answers. But I think people, John, do you, really quickly, do you think that people who are – people who are critical of the criticism, do you think that they don't think that we want to hear Trump? Like we're just soft babies that don't want to hear anything tough because the reason I, I'm starting to believe that is like, Oh, well, this is, this is the presidential nominee and we're going to have to hear him. It's not about hearing him. I know what he's going to say. He's not, he's not going to say anything new. He's just going to, you're giving him a platform to lie again. Right. Um, Anderson Cooper, I think is interesting because, I think people think that we don't have these conversations all day. You know what I mean? Like we're on Twitter, we're in real life, we're having these conversations all day. And so the last thing we want to do is see a platform as big as CNN just be giving to Trump just to spew his lies. Now, I will say this. If CNN wants to do this, there's ways to do it. Here's why I think it's all BS, John. Here, here's my rain reason. And you could correct me if I'm wrong or whatever. First of all, you could pre-tape it. You could pre-tape it and not have a live audience. You can still broadcast it at 8 p.m. whenever you want to do it. But if you pre-tape it, you allow at least disclaimers to be put on. You allow people to fact check it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's first. Second, um, the live audience. You handpick Trump supporter. You could have just had it open to the public, whoever showed up. You could have had 50-50. You could have had... Um, <clears throat> a situation where it wasn't just a Trump rally, essentially, which is what it was. But you chose that because you wanted people to cheer on. Like, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. And for me to believe that these people are, are idiots is not true. They're smart and they know exactly what they're doing. And so, and also Caitlin Collins. You could have had Jake Tapper up there. You could have had Anderson Cooper. You could have had three of them instead of just one of them, right? Obviously, they're trying to make Caitlin Collins into this kind of Superstar, she got a lot of press and a lot of play during the Trump years. But um, my that's my point about CNN. It's like you could still do this, but you have to do it in a responsible way. You just basically gave him a Trump rally on a big platform, and it didn't even do that well, right? Um, so that that's my criticism of CNN. It's not that they did this. It's like they're critical of us because we're critical, and we could just say, um, what we want to say, but at the end of the day, it's your job as CNN to do this in a responsible way. And I just think they they just left the guardrails down. They just said, we're going to give Trump hour to do whatever he wants to do. The questions that she asked are, I'm going to say dumb. And the reason I say dumb is because he doesn't believe in what you're telling him, right? You were asking about the Georgia call, about January 6th, all this other things. 
what are you trying to figure out? He's on record saying he wants to free all the January 6th defendants. What are you asking that question for? Am I, am I, am I being too critical of the questions? Like, what were you trying to discover that you didn't already know? If that's your job as CNN, as journalism, we already know where he stands on this. Unless maybe I'm just too involved and I know where he stands and maybe the general public doesn't know where he stands on things. I don't know, John. I just think they could have, if they wanted to do it, they could have did it in a way where it wasn't a money grab. To me, this was, let's boost ratings and let's give them a money grab. That's what I thought. I'm going to make an interesting point here. I'm going to tell you you're right and you're wrong at the exact same time. You're right that there is a right way to do it. You're right conceptually that there's a right way to do it. However, we're dealing with Donald Trump. And I don't think Donald Trump would have agreed to do it if they did it under those rules. See, don't forget that 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 he had to agree to it, and he didn't just say, "Oh yeah, I'll do it, and I'll do whatever you throw at me." He there was some level of negotiation. So I agree with everyone who has said this is how you would do it if you would do it. But what those people don't quite understand, at least in my opinion, is I doubt. Trump would have done it if CNN could have done it the right way. That's 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 one of the things that I think is not being discussed. And I want to give you something I read in The Guardian this week. It's just two paragraphs, and it was written after works. It says, Trump's team also figured that CNN worked for its needs because it could have Collins as a moderator, a rising star who co-hosts the network's morning show, but has also remained on the Trump beat and has taken care to preserve her relationship with the ex-president. Pairing Collins with Republicans who voted for Trump was as close to a home turf as the campaign could get. The team said it would have rejected Jake Tapper after he threatened to ban Republicans who endorsed Trump's 2020 lives from his, from his shows. Trump's team told him, you cannot have Jake Tapper. So what I'm telling you is you're right. You are right. You are right, right about the right way to do it. But the right way to do it would not have flown. So that tells you if the right way to do it would not have flown, then you don't do it. So that's I think that's the key. And, you know, here's the thing. I understand that I read somewhere or heard somewhere that um, MSNBC was also in negotiations, but they obviously didn't get too far. Maybe because MSNBC, yeah, we'll do it. But, hey, we're not going to budge. You're going to have Joy Reid on the set. You're going to have, you know, you know you, who, who do you want? Rachel. Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow. You know, you ain't getting Chuck Todd. Right. Uh, but um, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is there is no right way to there is an absolutely a right way. But because he would never, never have agreed to doing it the right way or his camp would have never agreed to doing the right way. Is there really a right way? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's not worth doing if it's not doing the right way. Um, they, they, John, this would have come down to, they gave him a Trump rally. They gave him the biggest platform of a Trump. Nobody, nobody broadcasts that anymore, right? Like they don't broadcast the Trump rallies anymore. Fox doesn't either. And so they just basically said, Hey, we'll fill the crowd up with Trump supporters and we'll just give you an hour to talk about what you want to talk about. And that's what happened. She didn't push back. In fact, John, the time she pushed back, <clears throat> excuse me, the time she pushed back, it just allowed him to, to, to disrespect her and to insult her, they got the crowd going even more, right? So she just basically fed the fire. They would have been better off just sitting him down and saying, here, just say whatever you want for an hour and not even ask him a single question. Um, 
<clears throat> so I guess my question to you would be, do you think this is just a pure money grab from CNN then? Hey, we have access to the president. Let's give them what they want and let's boost ratings. Because why else would they do this? Well, cause, I mean, it was a one-day shot in the arm, and it was actually underperforming. On what It underperformed compared to the Biden town hall, right? Um, I think it was more a relationship and a repositioning. Um, you know, Chris Licht is, and what's, here's the worst part about it. Now, granted, you and I are more engaged than your average person, but your average person knows who Chris Licht is right now because he's being talked about. Um when I first started out in the entertainment business as a publicist, um, my my boss pulled me aside. He said, the first thing you should know is a good publicist keeps his name out of the paper. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Um, he doesn't mean that, like, if someone asks you to go on record and be quoted about something, you shouldn't be quoted or anything like that. What he means is when you do your job correctly in certain spaces, no one knows who the hell you are. And that's a reflection. You can't tell me who Chris Lick's um, counterpart is on MSNBC. You can't tell me who Chris Lick's counterpart is on Fox. Um, what happened is you've gotten someone, although we did always know who Jeff Zucker was on, um, on, uh, on CNN, but it was a colossal mistake. It was a colossal mistake. There's people calling for his head. Um, I don't even know if it was a money grab. It was a way to um, kind of appear to be balanced. Now, what'll be if, if you're and, and I going back to Anderson's statement about we're all in our silos. We don't have to be in our silos. Look, we have for years since we've always heard about the people who read a red hat. So he did America's diners who are angry about this. I've never once seen those same reporters go to the south side of Chicago and ask them how they feel about the politicians who aren't doing anything about the crunch the guns that are killing their children, right? I've never seen them go ahead and sit down with the trans kids who are close to suicide because Republicans are running a whole bunch of BS to get them. But for some reason, we need to go ahead and give continued attention to these people who are giving continued attention to, right? Um, and what's funny, uh, Jordan Klepper does it all the time. And you could say, well, Jordan Klepper's a comedy show, and he's mocking them. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that Jordan Klepper has done that didn't prove itself out on Wednesday night when they had this damn uh, town hall. So we don't need to, you know, there's many ways for us to engage with those folks. And CNN, everything they're telling us is absolute crap. Yeah, that's why I'm most upset with them. Like, the statement after was saying, I knew I know they know it was a mistake because they're not coming out defending it. They're coming out and saying, well, here's our explanation. So I know that that stuff's spinning behind the scenes there. I also know that there's reporting that there's a lot of people at CNN upset and, and they might have a mutiny on their hands. Right. So um, I don't know. I also don't think this will be the last time. Like, I'm not saying that they'll do it the same way, but if he's the nominee, which everyone thinks assumes he is, then this might happen again, right? All the debates, right? Trump is going to stay out of the Republican primary debates, so he says. And he's already been on record saying, I'm not going to debate anybody, right? Because he doesn't want to be fact-checked. He doesn't want to be opposed in any way. And so we'll see an end just cater to him when it comes to the debates when it's Trump versus Biden, right? So 
I just don't know. I just I, I, here's here's also another point, John. When he's the president, I think that's a little bit different. Like when he's the president and he's saying these are my debate rules, you I understand why you might want to cater to that because he's a sitting president and you want him to sit down and debate. But he's not anymore. He's a is an indicted, twice impeached president who's massively unpopular. And I just don't know why you continue to want to attract like his people are never going to watch you. And I don't say, I don't think you have to go super far left and have nothing but left people on. I'm just saying, what are you doing that for? It's not going to bring the ratings that you want. They're probably going to take a net negative out of this. I think, I think people are just going to stick with them. MSNBC. Um, I certainly don't want to watch CNN. I I don't watch cable news nightly. I watch it when something's happening, but I'm going to probably stick to MSNBC at this point. Not because it's left. I just think at least they do a better job with the truth than any other platform is how I see it now. So one of the things, though, that we have to understand, and I agree with you with MSNBC, but one of the things that Fox, not Fox, CNN needs to do immediately that would help them is that CNN needs to give town halls to Joe Biden they need to give down halls to, I hate to say it, Marianne, Wilson, Marianne Williamson, uh, whatever Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and whatever Republicans who are who are declared, only declared candidates though. So, but they need to give them all town halls. That's the thing. And they have, and you know what? They unfortunately, fortunately or not, given whatever standard they gave Trump, they got to give Biden the exact same town hall. They got to give Biden, have that damn town hall in 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 Brooklyn, and and have every leftist. Although you probably not want leftists, you probably want moderates. So I'll have to put that. You know what? But realistically, what they need to be able to do is, if the best thing that CNN could do, CNN could do right now, Republican or Democrat, is give everybody town halls. Hell, even though she's not a declared candidate, I might even give either. I'd give a, a Liz Cheney town hall because you know the one thing that I was getting ready to say is that. I'm a Democrat. I'm a partisan Democrat. And I'm going to fight hard for my Democrats. But if I was a Republican, the one thing I would be really pissed off about, especially if I wasn't a whack job Republican, especially if I wasn't a MAGA Republican, is I have never, and this goes back to pre-Trump. If I was a Republican, I'd be embarrassed by the voices that get the most airtime as, as speaking on behalf of the Republican Party. You know, Again, you and I know the that that Liz and Kissinger were very useful to us, uh, especially part of January six. But and we and you know you and I both know they say a lot of stuff that offends us. They're not where we need them on voting rights. They're not where we need. But at least they're sane Republicans. I would give more space to him to to Kissinger. I would give more space to Cheney. I would give more space to, you know, a lot. it was controversial. I'm not a big fan of MSNBC hiring John Kasich. But realistically, um, they need to do that. You know, um, Asa Hutchinson, the guy that's uh, the, the, the former uh, governor of Arkansas, who is either announced or will be announcing, they need to give space to them. Look, those people are less threatening, less crazy than, than, um, than Trump. In many ways, they're just as bad. But until you start modeling better Republican behavior, you're going to continue to get the whack jobs. And so, like I say, from a partisan perspective, keep putting Trump out there. 
keep putting Trump in and the, the, the MGTs and the Lauren Boberts and the Matt Gaetzes and the Jim Jordans and put all those people out there. But if I was a Republican, I wouldn't want those people out there. And so if, you know, as much as Democrats and, and same people are pissed at uh, the booking of Trump, if I was a Republican Party, and this is, Ronald McDaniel, this is where Ronna McDaniel needs to be uh, fired over, is they need to do a better job of what they're putting out. Because I think what they're doing is they are letting that party go so far right or, or, or making people think that that party is going so far right that they're doing, in the long run, they might be doing a, a greater disservice to, re, to Republicans than we could ever do. And then Joe Biden, someone Joe Biden's team said that Trump's special is actually one of the best things that happened to Biden this week. Yeah, so the, now that they're multitask, this is the pivot that we should make here is despite all my criticism, and I'm just speaking from a factual kind of POV when it comes to that, but I loved every second of this, John. And the reason is, is because CNN has probably watched, uh, if you want to consider MSNBC to be left and Fox News to be right, CNN has probably watched by moderates and independents more, right? Maybe. I don't know the actual demographics, but maybe, right? And here is the Republican nominee, who probably will be the nominee, the biggest front runner, at least. And he's on TV saying all the things that make independents and moderates not want to vote for Republicans. He took credit for overturning Roe. He said that was he was very proud of that. He said he wanted to free all the January 6th defendants, which January 6th historically is looked upon as a bad thing, overwhelmingly by the majority of Americans. Um, he talks about ending the Ukraine war, or he does he doesn't he doesn't know who he wants to win. He doesn't see it as winning and losing, right? And Ukraine is overwhelmingly was probably a third or fourth major subject when it came to the 2022 uh, midterms. Right. And I was just thinking, well, this is great because I believe, and I said it in 22 is the more and more we keep these headlines going, the better it is for every single election. And here he is in the middle of May on a, not an election year, continue to keep this going. Um, I look at it like this. He had a horrible march. He was indicted. He was just in, uh, found guilty or liable, I should say, for sexual abusing um, somebody. He's probably going to get indicted in July in Georgia, hopefully. He's just going to continue to have nothing but negative media. So this is just um, a stop on the path for me. Um, here's something I read that I found to be really profound, John. I, I, I knew this to be true, but it never really struck me in this way is it's, it was surrounding the Trump liable thing, but it really talks about this town hall too, is Fox News and the right and the right-wing politicians, Ted Cruz, Graham, et cetera, et cetera. All these people have spent so much time, really, really in a fierce way the last six years, but really through their history, but really since the end of the Obama term, they spent so much time telling people lies that the adverse effect of that is now nobody believes anything they say. So even if Trump, even if Biden did have a controversy with, I know they're trying to push this conspiracy theory about document or quid pro quo or whatever they're trying to do right now, nobody will believe even the truth out of their mouth anymore, right? Everything that Trump says, nobody's going to believe because he's such a proven liar. And so you're right about Republicans. 
they're even if they came out and said two plus two equals four, nobody's gonna believe them. Even if they came out and they said Biden's bad for the economy, who's gonna believe them, right? And so this just goes along with that is I want him to be front and center. I wish CNN would give him a damn hour every single night because it's just going to help us get people to realize how extreme they are and that I'm on board with. So in that case, I think this is a net negative for them, but a net positive overall for us. Um, a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that um, this and, and I'm trying to figure out what's the you know, I know how I'm going to say it. But I want to figure, and it's something I think we have to consider and we have to beat people up on. And I'm saying beat people up on and on, on the left for the next, uh, all the way through November of 24. One of the challenges that I think we have, and I understand what you're saying about how Trump is one of our best assets. We've got to do a better job of not, of doing more and offering more than just Trump's, you know, shitty. First of all, because Biden's a good president. And what I'm saying is this. Um... When you look at the fact that um, Joe Biden has had the most successful presidency, the most effective presidency, he's kicking ass. He is old, but he's still kicking ass. And Democrats, you know, are running around saying um, he's a little old. I'm not sure he's lost a pep, little pep in a step, right? Where... Um, Donald Trump has been indicted once. He's got two more, maybe three more potential indictments. He just was uh, found liable for sexual assault. And Republicans are like, let's effing go. And so I understand. And that's maybe because we're not doing enough lifting up our guy. Now, of course, the media is, 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 I think, is greatly responsible. Bears a lot of responsibility. But am I right? That we have probably one of the best, most effective presidencies, but because of his age, because of his age, we're like, "Eh, maybe we can do better. I don't know. I guess if I have to. But Republicans are like, I see he's been indicted once. He's probably going to get indicted two, three more times. And he was just found liable of sexual assault. Let's go. Let's get behind him. That's why some. That's why it's going to be close. That's why it's going to be close. And I'm sick and tired of watching the guy who has actually performed. And think about it. We did it to Bill Clinton where his legacy is questionable. There's people on the left who question really how effective was Barack Obama. And we do that. Yet we actually, the Republicans have a guy who's been impeached twice. He's got indictments, and they're like, let's effing go. What are your thoughts? Yeah, but, John, that's the difference between us and them, is they have no moral ground. And and, be, and, and talking about Biden's age is just, um, I wouldn't say it's a moral or ethical thing. It's just the, probably the biggest um, downside to him is just his age. But at the same time, um, it, it gives us the opportunity to talk about the other guy's age as well, which I, I think um, is, 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 is should be talked about a little bit more frankly um yeah but here's a question though have you ever noticed have you ever noticed that biden's age is convenient to his his critics on the left but trump's age and bernie sanders age have never been an issue go figure right you're right about trump's age but but the people who are motivated to play that game for some reason could look at his republican alternative which is donald trump's or as Democratic slash independent alternative, 
which is Bernie Sanders, and their age is irrelevant compared to Biden's age. That's always offended the hell out of me. Yeah, but the the guy at the chair is going to get the most criticism. Bernie Sanders is a nobody, and who cares, right? He's not going to be a nominee. I get it. Like, look, I don't. I get the fact that people are saying Biden's old. I just don't think it should be a reason to vote against him. He's been on record. He's been effective. And as far as I know what you're saying about Democrats have to campaign on things instead of being anti-Trump. But I think it's the same thing, John. If we come out and say, look at all, everything that Biden has accomplished and we campaign on that. And then at the end, we look to them and say, as opposed to that, like you could have all this, another four years of this, or do you just want to go back to that? And I think you have to do both of those things because I know in, here in Chicago, we learned it as well. The anti-Trump vote is going to be just as important as it is the pro-Biden uh, vote, right? I also think young people, maybe I'm just being naive. Well, I, actually, I am a little bit, but I just think young people are much more likely to vote regardless if they f- are excited about the candidate, as long as they can vote for somebody who isn't going to take something away from them. And I think people my age and a little bit older are cynical and a little skeptical. And they say, well, I'm not voting for Biden. He didn't do everything he promised. And I think the, the kid who just turned 1920 is saying, I want my right to get an abortion back. I'm going to vote for Biden regardless of the criticism I may have of him. Um, and I th- and I think that's going to be powerful in 24 as well. So it, it's going to be interesting. But I just think, I don't know. I think it'll be close as well. I don't think we're going to have blowout elections anymore. I just think the electorate is so um, so split kind of in a way where you're just going to have a max vote that you're going to get. Um, so I think it'll be close and I don't want to take anything for granted. I just think people were sick of Trump and then he's going to be in 15 times indicted by the time this happens and he's just going to get, so I just want, I, so I just think it'll be, it'll be set up nicely for us. I'll just say that. Well, you know, one of the things, and we have to, you know, we're, we're going on 30 minutes now. We still, we have a lot more to cover because this is a multitask because this was a multitask week. And so I'm going to go through the list. So, um, you know, Trump, I guess we'll stick with Trump. We The week started out with Trump getting a verdict, and we've touched on it, is he was found liable for sexual assault, not sec, not rape. And now what was fascinating is there's a hyper-technical potentially um, obscene distinction between rape and and sexual assault in um, in New York, uh, but it, the man got a five million dollar judgment against him. No other American. Think about think about all the stuff they tried to lay on Bill Clinton. I'm looking directly at Bill Clinton right now. Bill Clinton has never ever 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 been adjudicated to have been guilty of sexual assault or any of the things that they said he was guilty of. And Donald Trump, well, just so you know, he is technically not guilty because when you do civil cert, you're not guilty, you're liable. But he's liable for, for sexual assault and defamation. And it was it's horrible. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on uh, the verdict in the Trump uh, E. Jean Carroll case? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because he, he doesn't necessarily have a guilty, not guilty, but it's we could say it's proven in court that he sexually abused somebody like that is a fact, right? That it's proven in court that he sexually abused somebody um, where a jury of his peers and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And um, he doesn't have to like 
register with the sex offender or uh, a list or anything, but he's uh, now proven to be a sexual abuser. Everything else before this technically was either um, rumor or just um, his side versus her side. It's just accusations. I, I do believe the women. I think it's 26 women overall or 23 women overall who have um, accused them of sexual, some sort of sexual assault or rape. And I believe them because uh, that's my default is to believe women. And I, I just think he's a horrible person. So I believe everything that, that I believe all the rumors, to be honest, but here's a proven in court that he uh, sexually abused somebody. And I think that should be talked about a little bit more. I think anybody who, John, I'm not trying to save Trump voters. I, I, I believe that whoever voted for Trump in 2020 will vote for him again. No problem. This isn't going to stop them. But if you're talking to somebody, I don't personally have any Trump people like I talk to uh, every single day. I, I don't know many. I don't know any really off the top of my head. So if I was talking to somebody who was like, oh, I'm voting for Trump because Biden's old. And I'm like, you'd rather vote for a person who was found proven to sexually abuse somebody than an old guy. Like, what does that say about your moral or ethical kind of code? Um so yeah, I would use that all the time if I was I wouldn't I wouldn't campaign on it if I'm Biden. I would, certainly wouldn't do that, but I would definitely um bring that up in conversations. Well, and I think what the thing is and it comes down to people like us, surrogate or we're not surrogates, but people like us the sit and then in addition to us, so comma, people like us. And then next were surrogates and other folks. Um it's up to, up to tell the whole story on his record. I think that the party, the the, the president, the party, uh, the members of Congress, they all have roles to play, and they all have particular uh, maybe disciplined messages they need to follow. And I think they're the ones who do that, even the surrogates. But for those of us who uh, have a platform, no matter how small or large, uh, who influence other people, no matter how how few or how many. Um, uh, it's for us to tell that whole story. You know, I think, you know, with Biden, uh, with the Vice President Harris, you know, they have certain responsibilities when it comes to messaging in their, in their own re-election. Members of Congress, the party leaders. But for those of us who are in this space, um, we need to make sure that we're, we're we're getting the message out. Now, I will say even people like us might want to pick two or three different uh, things that we decide we're going to bang the drum on because, as you can imagine, if we're all doing everything, then we're probably not necessarily being effective. But, you know, knowing that people that we, we interact with and what they respond to, especially the ones who don't necessarily know how they're going to vote, to the extent that we can influence folks, we have to figure out what are the various messages that we can give to make people uh, support Biden. But don't forget, I think what we want, and I think it goes back to what I was saying before about uh, despite all Trump's got going against him, there's enthusiasm on the right where on the left we're kind of, eh. I think we need more than just people supporting Biden because he's better than the alternative. I think we need people out there supporting Biden because he's gone out there and he has kicked ass. And Vice President Harris has literally kicked ass. I saw something about some money she was able to get to help uh, basically give people who are, you know, migrating from South America and Central America and Mexico to stay in their home countries, right? And, and that was all her doing. So 
I think, you know, it's not just enough to say they're better than the alternative, although that that should be enough. We should be focusing on really giving people reason to 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 be excited. Charlemagne the God did Charlemagne the God things this weekend was like, I don't know. I really don't want we need to stop that. And, it, and to me, that's a form of voter suppression. Well, yeah, 100 um, percent. I will say this, though. I think we could do both. I think there there is people that you cannot convince to vote to Biden for his accomplishments. Like there's people who are out there and say, hey, this is why you should vote for Biden. This, this, this and this. Those people won't. There's some people who won't vote for him because of that. And they really need a reason to. And so if I could play to their morals and say, hey, all right, I get it. He's not perfect, but we're better as a country than Donald Trump. And we have to be better than that as a country. If that gets people to vote, then I'm perfectly happy doing that. I do agree. You start with the accomplishments. You start with the good. Uh, Democrats always uh, provide hope around elections and, and Republicans always uh, bring energy around fear. I think that's the fundamental difference between us is yes, we can versus uh, only I can fix it. Right. So that's the difference between both parties on some level. And so I think our, our first plan is always to hit them with accomplishments and what Democrats are able to always do because Democrats deliver. And then I think if some people are still hesitant, you, you try to appear to uh, try to appease to their principles and morals and say, Hey, please don't let that man be president. Honestly, John, when, and I know, We'll stay out of it. But during our local mayoral election here, one of my pleas with people is I think we're just better as a city to to not show up. Like there's more people who voted in the runoffs than it is the, the general. And one of my pleas to people was, I, hey, you might not like either of them. You might not like one of them, whatever it is. But we have to be better and we have to continue to show up. And I, I'm not saying I convince anybody to vote, but I just think that's a sentiment that a lot of people have as well. Right, right. Now, one of the things, and you're talking about the hope versus you know, the fear, and you know, one of the things that the fear that, and I'm doing a transition now to another subject. It's saying true to the theme of the show, the multitask, is Title Forty Two. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> right now people are saying both the left and the right are upset with Biden, which probably in this particular case is not the worst thing. But more importantly, you know, there was a lot of fear marking fear mongering about the lifting of title 42 and um the border crisis now evidently so far the first 24 hours have gone kind of smooth um you know there's increased presence and everything else but they also said that the immigrants the migrants are actually very um probably very savvy very sophisticated that a lot of them are trying to figure out what's what's the right time to go and you know i do think that First and foremost, I don't think we can ever really downplay the crisis at the border. It is a legitimate crisis. But I think there's been a lot of hyperbole. I think there's been a lot of hyperventilating on, on, the, on the right about what it means. Um, and, you know, I think the right and the media were waiting for Title 42 to be lifted and there'd be absolute chaos, just outrageous chaos. And it's there's I still think it's chaotic. I can't imagine that it's a great place. But it's definitely not living up to the hype that um, that was preached last week or leading up to it. Um, and I think that and someone I heard someone mention that, again, the press has got to stop following and letting the right frame the issue. They frame the, they frame this issue 
and, uh, and let's be honest, and it goes back, and we're going to be, I'm sure we'll be talking debt crisis in a minute, but one of the things, or, or the debt ceiling in a minute, but one of the things that I think is really important here is that um, the right, just like with abortion, needs immigration as an issue to divide us. And there is so much that can be done uh, in Washington to make the crisis at the border be a lot easier to deal with. And the right does not, they're not interested in that. They're interested in making Biden look bad. And that's all they really care about. Yeah. Um, there, I want to say three things about this. Three things happened this week that I found to be pretty interesting. I was scrolling through Instagram and somebody posted a picture of what appeared to be hundreds of migrants kind of crossing the border. And, um, and the title said, or the caption said title 42, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And basically the captain ones, God help us all. Cause Biden's going to ruin the country. And the picture was from, I think Trump era. And I just thought to be like, look, this, the border thing isn't um, unique to Biden or Trump, right? This is a thing that every president has to deal with. As you said, right. It's just complicated. There's so many different nuanced um, layers to this, that it's really hard to get right. You're going to make mistakes along the way. That doesn't mean that you don't treat people nicely and, try to figure it out. But I'm just saying like, it's just hard to get right. It's one of those things that's always going to be bad. So that was something I noticed was that apparently no, but not a single person ever in the history of, of this country during the Trump years crossed the border. And I think that's just misinformation. And a lot of Republicans like to think so. The second thing that happened was I believe the El Paso mayor was on Hannity or some sort of Fox show. And Hannity was just straight calling the city garbage and he was saying that basically El Paso was floor to ceiling filled with migrants who were pissing everywhere and taking over in crime. And the El Paso, El Paso mayor was like, what are you talking about? Like, this isn't happening in our city. And even the El Paso mayor was kind of pushing back on Fox News. I found that to be interesting. The third thing is, like you said, just with the, the fear mongering. I think that Republicans, it happened, at, uh, I believe Ted Cruz was at the border. He was in El Paso this this week. And I don't know if you saw this exchange, but there was a reporter who really got in Ted Cruz's, I wouldn't say physical space, just he, he, he agitated him a little bit. And he said, what are you going to, you've been a senator for 11 years. What have you done? And Ted Cruz was like, you could check my record or blah, blah, blah. And it basically got to the point where the reporter was saying, even to fix this problem, you won't work with Democrats. Like you just want the problem to exist so you can blame Democrats for it and you want to do nothing about it. And the reporter started pushing back on Ted with, to the point where Ted was like, you shut up. You, you can't, this isn't a press conference. You, if you want to say something, you go over there. And Ted got really upset. I don't know if you saw that. So I think that a lot of the Republican messaging is falling on deaf ears on a little bit, right? Republicans try to take away the DREAM Act or the Dreamer Act, I'm, I'm not sure what that was called. Um, they don't want to pass any sort of legislation to help at the border. They um, are shipping migrants to Chicago, New York, and California. Chicago just got, Mayor Lightfoot just got in her last week, of 4,500 migrants that she has really no idea where to put, right? They don't care about immigration. They don't care about people. They don't care about fixing it. As long as there's a Democrat in the White House or a Democrat in that city, a governor, a mayor, a state, they want to make it a problem. And then as soon as they're elected, 
they want to do nothing about it. And I think that that narrative is starting to change a little bit in a good way. The minute that Republicans acknowledge, realize, accept, and treat immigrants, migrants, like they're human beings deserving of grace, love, dignity, the situation begins, it starts getting better. These, to, the, when you look at what DeSantis and Greg Abbott are doing when they're just shipping off people to various cities. And here's the one thing that people don't quite acknowledge that I learned recently. You know how they're saying, well, you know, Texas is sending them, you know, they're, they're showing Chicago what it's like. No, they're not showing Chicago what it's like. Because you know that the places in which the migrants come, the border states in which the migrants are coming from, they get more resources to deal with the migrants. Do you know what I'm saying? Is when the migrants are showing up in Texas or Arizona or California, the border states, there are actually federal resources in those states to help them uh, provide whatever support and services and whatever to respond to, to the migrants. When they're shipping them off to New York and Chicago and other places, we don't have those federal resources. If you look right now, most of the stuff that's been done in Illinois, I can't speak to New York, has, a significant amount has come from the state. Recently, I know that the Illinois delegation, at least the Democrats in the Illinois delegation, have started asking the federal government for money. But just understand that when Abbott and DeSantis take the um, migrants and move them to other places, um, they are moving them to places where there are not federally funded resources, but there are federally funded resources in, in those states in which that they're moving them from. Well, yeah, 100%. John, the problem, the problem with it is that I, I, there's so many problems, right? Republicans just, they, they, they're so disingenuous that it's really ha hard to have a conversation with them. Um, the fact is, is just like the crime thing, right? Is there's lower crime in Chicago than there is Texas. There was just a mass shooting this past week in Texas. That's not even top three news story anymore. Right. Um, by a white, by a white supremacist really. And I know that a lot of Republicans like to say he was Hispanic, whatever. Right. doesn't matter. Um, Republicans have owned the narrative for so long around all the issues, around all the issues. And I'm not sure if my generation or, or after me or before me is um, really understanding that they've been almost brainwashed to the point to think there was a poll that was released that, that said Trump was better for the economy than Biden, even though Biden is light years ahead of, of Trump and his economy. Right. And so, we, I think younger people are starting to probably understand this more. I'm, I'm hyping on younger people. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the base of the Democrats is black women and older black women. And I totally get it. And I, I totally think it's accurate. I just think young people are not falling for it as maybe as much as the others did. Um, I think young people know that Republicans are the reason that the gun crisis is still what it is. I think school shootings go up in red states more than they do anything else. And I think the immigration problem is um, more so a Republican problem than it is a Democrat problem. That doesn't necessarily always mean that it shows up in the ballots, but um, I I'm hopeful. Let me ask you, are you hopeful that that the younger generation kind of gets it more? Or do you think that that's probably just a little bit me being online? Well, no, 
I will tell you, they get it. I just sometimes I wonder if they follow through. I mean, going back to something I wanted to follow up on that you said that I think is really important. And it's one of the things that frustrates me the most. And it goes back to the whole thing I said where, you know, Biden's had a successful presidency and we're like, eh, whereas Trump is, you know, a, a legal liability and Republicans are like, let's go. Um, and I'm going to go to a place I go regularly, but I really do feel like the media has got a big fault. You know, you were just talking about the whole perception that Trump's better for the economy than uh, Biden is. And we know that Obama was more successful. We know that Clinton was more successful. When there are realities that are that are taking place, whether it's the overstating of crime in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, whether it's who's better on the economy, whether it's who's the more successful president as far as getting their, um, their platform passed. If the American public doesn't know that, shouldn't the press be looking at itself? Shouldn't, you know, they keep saying, well, why is Biden, Biden's done all this, but he's so unpopular. Yeah, but how many, and I know I'm going to sound like a real broken record here, but how many of the segments are about Biden's low poll numbers and his age? How many, if they spent as much time talking about his legitimate record, if they spent as much time talking about Vice President Harris's legitimate record, might these perceptions be different? Right? So... It's weird, and, and you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, a re- really a relative, who was um, pushing back, like, what are the Democrats doing? What are the Democrats doing? I know many Democrats, as you can imagine, who are prepped to go onto their talk shows and talk about the agenda. And the first thing that is said, I'm here to talk about this great bill that we passed. The first thing is, well, why is Joe Biden unsuccessful? Why don't more people know about this? Because I'm on your damn show to talk about this, and you're talking about how unsuccessful or unpopular Biden is. That's why people don't know. Um, So to your point about your question about younger folks, I do think this is going to sound weird, and I think there's, you know, the risk of misinformation is bad and everything else, but maybe that is where social media, the TikToks of the world come through. Because since they're not, you know, the good news is the young folks are not watching the CNNs. They're watching the MSNBCs, um, you know, but the, the, so I think that we definitely have channels and means by which to communicate with them. But I also know that the problem is, is that those channels also provide, potentially provide a source for a lot of misinformation. Okay. You said, as you were talking, I made a realization in my head and you kind of hinted at it earlier with social media and TikTok. Let me tell you what I see. I'm on TikTok and I'm old. I'm the grandpa on TikTok, basically. And I'm a great grandfather. <laughs> I posted some TikTok videos recently. But let, let me tell you what I see online. The it may and the way the algorithm works is it's catered to you. So a, a, a right wing twenty year old in Texas is his algorithm's gonna look a little bit different than mine. But what I do see online, though, John, is so much pushback on misinformation that young people often get it right more than people think. I'm not saying more than older generations. I'm saying more than people think they do. What I mean by that is when, when something happens online, school shooter happen, or this happens or a bill happens or something like that, there is hundreds, if not thousands of influencers or people with big platforms on TikTok 
who come in and explain to young people, this is all BS, right? Um, and I think that that helps the as MSNBCs and the CNN, because as you said, they're not watching that. We're not watching that. And so it doesn't really matter that Adam Kinzinger is on Fox, Repub on Fox News saying this or this or whatever, right? It doesn't matter that MSNBC hired John Casey because nobody's, at least the young kids are not watching that. But when there's a clip online that goes viral of Tucker Carlson or Hannity's really spewing BS, there's people in front of that who are stitching videos saying, this is why this is BS. And they come on and they explain it. And I think that young people who have to deal with AI who have to deal with edited captions, who have to deal with Photoshop, are e I think they're easily starting to figure out what's BS and what's not BS. And I think that's going to help kind of save a generation from misinformation. Maybe not save a generation from misinformation, but I think it. it I, I often look at stuff and I want to send it to you. You're not on TikTok as much, but I'm going to start sending you stuff, not for you to care about as content, but I want you to start realizing that how much vigilance there is about the truth online even to the point where if a kardashian posts a photo there's somebody who's saying here are the 15 points that this photo was photoshopped young kids have so much empathy young kids have so much heart they care about other people i think more than anything and so when an immigrant or a child of immigrants gets picked on somewhere in arkansas the whole online community surrounds them because they don't like bullies. And I think that's what you're seeing with the trans community, with the LGBTQ plus community, with immigrants, with, with, um, with all these people who are just like, Hey, enough of the picking on this crowd. We're not going to deal with it anymore. And that's why you have Republicans on record this week saying we should raise the, the voting age to 25 because they lost that crowd and they're never going to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, these, these folks are, are crazy. So, um, I want to move on because we still have a lot to get through and I want to get you do a lightning this. round, lightning round. Um, <laughs> just, but, um, George Santos got rung up. Now I'm going to say something real quick. And I said, what well, by rung up, I mean, he got indicted. But what I thought was really funny was the exact same day he was indicted. Um, the Republicans, uh, were in DC lodging a bunch of charges, uh, made up charges against Biden and Hunter. And I'm like, this, now, is this not surreal? They're sitting there freaking sanctimonious as hell about made up stuff for Hunter and Biden when one of their very own is literally, uh, at that time was sitting in, well, he had just turned himself in. So he was sitting, he was sitting in federal lockup awaiting arraignment. Um, what was your reaction to the George Santos, especially if you uh, were in a position to do like I did and contrast it with what was going on with the Republicans trying to call out Hunter and, 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 and Biden? Yeah, it's interesting because after George Santos was indicted, there was a story about how he admitted to cheating and lying in Brazil, and he settled that case with the Brazilian authorities. But at the press conference for George Santos being indicted, he's like, I'm not a liar. <laughs> a day later, he goes on record saying that he is a liar and he's a fraud, right? So it's funny that um, it's funny that this just juxtaposes each other. But, but I was thinking about something yesterday, and it, it dawned on me: Republicans have what a year left. 
in power as far as the house. They have roughly about a year left, whatever it is, right? I know they just took over in January, but really the summer, you know how it is, John, right? They've done nothing, right? And Fox News has done, they've done nothing. Like all the investigations, like here's the thing, John, Hunter, they believe Hunter Biden is real. Like obviously Hunter Biden is real, but they believe all the stories of Hunter are real. So the Republicans investigate and don't find anything. They start to think, wait, you you guys said this was 100% fact, right? John, there was a swath of Republicans who had press conferences this week talking about this Biden controversy about, oh, he took took money to sway policy when he was the vice president under Obama. And then Fox News was like, where's evidence? He's like, oh, it's online. Wait, what, what do you mean it's online? Like, you guys have subpoena power. You guys could just go get the evidence. They're like, no, it's just it's just online. So I think even their own base is starting to be like, George Santos is a fraud, right? And George Santos clearly isn't who he says he is. Here's the thing. This is bigger than George Santos. George Santos, I will go on record now, will lose his seat. I don't think he'll be in jail by the time that happens because this takes a while. But um, he'll lose his seat and he'll be in jail one day. And Republicans will just act like it never happened. McCarthy, to this day, here's the thing I don't understand, John. Am I too politically stupid? Isn't their best shot at the seat to have him resign and have a special election right now? Isn't that their best shot at the seat as opposed to right around the election season when Biden's on the ballot and the governor is on the ballot and whatever's on the ballot and then you lose that seat because Democrats are Democrats in New York actually going to show up this time? Wouldn't the best thing to be to have him resign, have a special election on an off year in the summer and get Republicans to come out and just fill the seat with somebody else? Isn't that their best shot? Am I too politically stupid? Well, I would say yes or no. Um, I think here's the thing. And if they care about the rest of the New York delegation, they need to get on them gone. I'm talking about the Republicans is what what they don't understand, and this is what, and they are much better at it than we are, so this is where they might have an advantage. But George Santos is a liability going into 2024. And if by not getting rid of him, so to your point one about g- grabbing the seat back, you're right. Um, you know, uh, the, the, you know, they're better off, they're better off letting him, cutting him loose because the potential of keeping him is is is, is really bad. Now, granted, once you go ahead and make an open seat, the Democrats might position to take it back. But letting him go, regardless of whether you win the seat back, is probably better because he's now not someone you can point to and hold on to. But here's the thing. Remember, there's a very slim majority already, right? You do know that um, it came out this week that Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna from Florida is announced that she's pregnant she's probably going to be due in August, September. So they lose her for three months. So you're, you're down Santos, you're down. Now your margins become even thinner. And we still don't know what Jack Smith's going to do. There's other Congress people that will, you know, will be indicted in, in some of the uh, January 6th stuff. So look, it's, I think one of the things, and I think it's a, probably the thing that we have to wind up on is we've not yet docked debt ceiling. But we're, you know, the country's in major risk of default. And if Kevin McCarthy does what he needs to do to keep our country from defaulting, does he potentially get removed as speaker? If for some reason, and and it's weird, 
because I don't think people understand what the true damage of the default would be, how it would impact everyday Americans, how it would impact power, borrowers, and it, how it would impact their economy. And, you know, Trump is up here in this town hall talking about let them default, let them default. But this circles back to DeSantis, this circles back to uh, Santos, uh, not DeSantis, this circles back to Santos, uh, to McCarthy. Um, they've got some major major headwinds that they're looking into. But more importantly, our country's future is at stake. And um, when you think about what's going on with the debt ceiling and what we really risk, you know, if you have loved ones who depend on Social Security um, and, you know, sometimes they sit there and they look and they need that Social Security check to come, they need it to come like yesterday, right? This can really cause some major pains and really hurt our economy in ways that most people that are advocating for it or not caring about it do not even begin to imagine. 100%. And I think that I, 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 I understand that maybe Biden will get some flack if the country does defaults, but I really, in my gut, my guttural instinct is to say the Republicans will be blamed ultimately because Biden can have a press conference or a national address and say, Republicans won't, lift the debt ceiling unless they kill Medicaid or Medicare. And Americans will understand that that's just too harsh of a position and Biden will not necessarily get blamed for that. He might get blamed a little bit, but not necessarily in the way that I think people um, expect. So I really think that default. Yeah, but, 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 but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm serious. And I, and I, and I want people to understand that this is not even about blame. It, it's about it's about blame when you're like, okay, maybe the stock market dropped today or whatever. This can really mess things up for people. It's it's not about who gathers. We cannot look at the debt ceiling from a political advantage, who's to blame, who's not to blame. We have to look at the debt ceiling from like, this is a catastrophe that cannot happen. We can't be sitting here trying to figure out how we can leverage it or not leverage it. It is a catastrophe and a catastrophe that will have a negative impact and hurt a lot of Americans. And those Americans will not, they will not care who's to blame because they won't be able to pay their damn bills. They'll just know their bills are not going to be paid. They won't have time to do that. So I think the reality is, is that one of the problems that we've had in this country is that every situation, even situations that's what's going on with the border, that have, that really harm people, do real harm to people, is looked at through Washington as to who's to blame, who's not to blame. When you are an impacted person, you just know that your life is effed up. And it's effed up because the people in Washington decided that their political opportunity was more important than your livelihood. Yeah, the reason I bring up politics is because I think it's easy. It's easier for Biden to play chicken. Like Biden has a moral, ethical, there's a reason he's standing ground. He's trying to work with Republicans as much as possible, but they are being um, uh, uh, they're being unreasonable. So that's what I mean is I do think that people will just ultimately be hurt and just want to blame everybody at some point. And I think Republicans are just going to feel what I'm trying to say is Republicans are going to I think are going to feel the pressure more than they think that we will. And that's why I think ultimately uh, this will get done is because I think Republicans are a little bit too, there's, they're, they're not standing on anything. And so when it gets a little bit wobbly, they're going to jump off. Whereas Biden is actually standing on something foundationally. And he'll be able to say, 
I cannot risk the foundation of this country for you to make a political point. That's why I kind of bring up politics is because I think Republicans ultimately, like, I don't think McCarthy has leverage. That's what I'm trying to get at. If he's, if he's going to use the American people as leverage, I'm trying to say it's going to hurt him more than hurts us. And that's why I think it's important is because when I see the press secretary, when I see Biden talking about the budget and the debt ceiling, they're, they're saying we're ready. We're ready to make a deal. Republicans are being unreasonable. And what the Republicans are saying is America has a, a, a spending problem, right? It's just so disingenuous that I'm not sure that, that it's going to last. That's why I kind of bring up politics because I think Republicans are on wobbly ground and I think they'll, they'll ultimately buckle. I think. Well, I think, well, I don't necessarily say Republicans. I say some Republicans and all we need is about five or six in effect. And don't forget, they've got that, um, uh, the whole discharge petition. And so I hear a lot of people talking about it. I don't know really, um, it's the 14th amendment, which says America has to pay the debts. And uh, there are some attorneys saying, hey, just go with the 14th Amendment. But I think that probably before we got to the 14th Amendment argument, and Biden actually wants to litigate it, but he's fearful of litigating it now because of what's at stake. But I do think that realistically, you may actually see uh, uh, the whole discharge petition thing. And if the discharge petition thing happens, um, you know, it's... I just remember I just lectured about not doing political advantage. If the discharge petition happens, there's twofold. First and foremost, it literally saves our economy. The discharge petition saves our economy. But it would also be that one solution that does to give the political advantage to Democrats because what will have happened? And do you understand how discharge petitions work? Do you understand? Do you, do you know how discharge petitions work? Essentially, it allows uh, it allows people to get stuff to the House floor uh, without the Speaker's approval. And evidently, it's a long process. And there's um, a congressman out of California. And Lawrence O'Donnell did a whole segment on this the other week. But there's a congressman out of California who started the process and literally was passing shell bills or whatever. And they actually have a vehicle. And I would not be surprised, while we've talked about 14th Amendment, we've talked about default, I would not be surprised if the embarrassment of having a discharge petition come out and he get nothing ends up undermining uh, McCarthy. And, I mean, I'm hopeful that we get to a thing. Now, again, I just lectured, I went off, I just went off about the political advantage. I will tell you this much. once, if, if this thing, if we are fortunate enough not to default, um, the most important thing now, you should then pivot immediately to politics because both sides are going to spin it as the other side caved. And the problem is, is that the Republicans will get one morsel and they will spike that morsel like they've never spiked anything. We might get a whole bunch of stuff, but one or two priorities didn't get taken care of and we will act like we got owned, right? So I think one, I don't, I want everything focused on making sure we don't default, but I do see the benefit of after we don't default or whatever means we use not to default, you know, extracting political advantage there, I have no problem with that. I just don't like the calculation being, 
um, well, if we default, it's it's good for us, bad for them, is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I also think Trump kind of poisoned the water a little bit. He's pretty set on defaulting because it makes Biden look bad. And do you worry that McCarthy does what Trump wants? Also, even if McCarthy has a deal that works, even if McCarthy has a win in his bag, do you think he takes his orders from Trump and says default, at least for a day or two? Let me have this story. Do you do you think that's in McCarthy? At some point in time, someone's going to have to go ahead and show history, show McCarthy a history book, and say, "Do you want to go down as the guy who ruined our economy?" And it at some point in time, Governor McCarthy, if you are on shaky ground and you're not going to be speaker anyway, wouldn't it be great to go off into the sunset? as the man who said the country's future and economic footing is more important than my remaining speaker. At some point in time, Kevin McCarthy's got to say that because right now, Kevin McCarthy, if we default, you will be, you, you will wear that jacket. And again, um, I don't want to play that. And I'm not talking about that. We play that. I'm talking about someone in the right needs to say that to him. Someone on the right who is trying to keep us from defaulting needs to say that to him. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. That's giving McCarthy a little bit too much credit. I don't know. I think that he is a chicken, and I think he'll do whatever it takes to the win. And it just depends on how they define a win. If they want Biden to default for a day or two or whatever, however it works, uh, and then strike a deal, I, I don't think it's above them to do that. So I don't know. It's supposed to be drone first, right? Yep, we'll see. So for now, uh, we're getting to an hour. So for now, this is John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys.